nominated for eight Academy Awards, the myth, the legend, the rock god, Elvis. Hello, welcome to our double episode of Movie Interrupted this week, following the Oscar films in preparation for next week's Oscar Academy Awards ceremony. In this episode, we're going to be chatting about Elvis. Elvis was directed by Baz Luhrmann. It stars Austin Butler as Elvis and stars Tom Hanks as Colonel Parker. Elvis follows the story of infamous rock and roll star Elvis Presley, seen through the eyes of his controversial manager, Colonel Tom Parker. The film explores Elvis's highs and lows with his many challenges and controversies throughout his career. Now, I saw this film a little while ago when it first was released, and I must admit, I am a huge fan of musical biopics. I love learning a little bit about artists' life, especially artists who wrote the songs themselves, because I feel like that just adds a much deeper dynamic to it. I'm thinking about uh, Bohemian Rhapsody, where we saw Queen writing the infamous song, um, thinking about the process and the dynamic between the characters, I find that really, really interesting. Some other really good biopics we've got have been Rocket Man, which told the story of Elton John, um, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston, and Respect, which told the Aretha Franklin story. And we're getting more and more of these. Sadly, the biopics do s- seem to follow a similar pattern where we get to see the artist's rise to fame, issues with often drugs or alcohol, and then they kind of fall from grace. Some movies seem to do it better than others where we get to see the really highlight of that star's career, where some films will tell the complete story and we'll see perhaps the the fallout or the death of that star. Now, Elvis kind of goes in the middle. We see a lot of the highs and we do get to see a very small part of his low and we do get to end the film with his death but it's mostly the highs that we focus on in this biopic production and I think that's mainly to do with the people who produce this. Now the people who helped Baz Luhrmann produce this were his family. It was Priscilla Presley, it was Lisa Marie Presley, it was by the family unit and so of course they're going to want to paint him in the best possible light. Why wouldn't you? You wouldn't want your father to be depicted in a negative way, especially after his death. You'd want to honor him. So it makes sense that a lot of the controversies that Elvis was known for really get glazed over. And this version of Elvis that we see is seen through a very specific filter. One of the moments I love the most about this Elvis biopic was the way that we really see who Elvis was talking to others. And the scene that really captures that for me is during his Elvis rehearsal, where he's motivating the band to produce new music, different scores and theme tunes that are going to work. And you see his love and the way music kind of takes over his body. Let's have a quick listen to that. I uh, want to try something new. All right, Glenn, you're going to start us off, okay? Take the intro here. 
Open. Uh, bring that bass up, Jerry. Keep playing. Now, the Elvis biopic did so many great things well. Austin Butler as Elvis is flawless, and it's so astounding to think that so much of the singing was his own voice with subtle overlays of Elvis's true voice. It's really good because he toes the line between doing an impression or a parody of Elvis, and he creates it to be his own. You can really tell that Austin Butler's watched footage after footage of Elvis. You look at um, the performance of I Dreamed a Dream, the 68 comeback special, and the movements are identical, but still Austin Butler seems to to add something of his own to it. It's not an exact replica. Uh, some of the other moves, especially in the early days where he's working the, the, the crowd, where he's dancing, the way the, f- the camera cuts and the edits and the, ex- the um, interactions with the audience is so captivating. And Baz Luhrmann's really done... A, a effective job of showing us the the way the crowd embraced this star and how it was just overwhelming for some of these people. I will say I found the part where he first starts dancing and just women randomly scream as if they're possessed or something. I found that a bit comical. Um, it was almost like they couldn't control themselves. Uh, I don't know. I, I As a progress further on you're like oh they like the music they like the dancing it's very provocative that's why they're screaming but that first one was very weird uh caller you're on the line luke baby oh hi stella i'm glad you called look i'm really sorry i fired that co-host and everything luke it's okay people get fired in this business left and right besides I already got you another co-host. I emailed you his bio. All right, I'll just have a look. Oh, Elvis from Memphis, hey? Yeah, he's an up-and-comer. You know he likes his uppers and his downers, but a voice like an angel. You okay with guns in the studio, right? Guns? No, 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 no. I don't want to be talking to someone who's going to pull a gun on me. Oh, honey, it's going to be okay. No, Stella, I'm not going to do it. You have to find someone else. Look, I'm going to tell you the same thing I told Jason Bateman and his podcast of idiots. Take any co-host you can get and watch out for pee on the floor. Oh, I'm sorry, Stella. Can you keep looking? All right, baby. Bye-bye. Bye. Uh, Let's go on to talk a little bit about Colonel Tom Parker now, a lot of people have really questioned Tom Hanks's accent in this film. And look, it's not a great accent, but if you know nothing about what Colonel Tom Parker sounded like, you can really get lost in that. And, and that was where I sat. I didn't know what he sounded like. And so 
this creepy sniveling guy really worked well for me. I will say the one thing that with his dynamic with Elvis that they really didn't delve enough into was how Elvis was constantly allowing himself to be manipulated by Colonel Parker. It wasn't clearly explained. And the reason I say that is because after watching Elvis, I was so interested in his life. I really um, became aware of how little I knew about where he came from and what his music meant that I read one of his biographies called Being Elvis. And wow, I was jaw to the floor astonished by how different Elvis was in real life. You know, this biography, I I researched it pretty well to make sure it gave a really fair account that it was well-researched. The picture it painted of Elvis was so in contrast to the way I knew him. The way I knew him, the, the things I knew of him, because I thought he was this legend he wrote all these songs he performed all these amazing venues he was just this icon of rock and roll but it couldn't have been further from the truth not only did he not write his songs but he was quite lazy in the picking of the songs that he did as colonel tom parker got him constricted by contracts for movies and contracts for recording studios, he became very disenfranchised with the whole process and really stopped caring. A lot of his movie albums, his songs that he released around that time were extremely lackluster by him. He was just going through the motions and he didn't have the free will to pick the songs that he wanted. So you can understand why that would really bother him. But at the same time, He got himself into that situation by fully trusting someone and not doing his due diligence. Another thing that I really found in contrast to the movie was his emotional state. And you can understand this a little bit because Elvis's fame was unlike anybody else's. No one could really relate to him. And because of that, no one could really understand what it was like to be Elvis. You know, he couldn't walk down the street. He couldn't go to the shops. He was really confined to his little environment, and that became Graceland. Graceland, in essence, became like a little prison. And so his um, whims to change various rooms, to make them, you know, jungle rooms or things like that, was his way of, you know, kind of escaping this prison that fame had built around him. Uh, the only kind of artists at the time who really experienced the same level of fame were the Beatles. But when Elvis first met the Beatles, he was actually really jealous of them. You know, the Beatles worked together as a band, wrote and produced their own songs. They had far much more autonomy in where they were. And so Elvis was somewhat guilty of that. Uh, not guilty. He was somewhat jealous of that. And finally, the last contrast I'll say is his drug use. We really don't get much of a look of that in the film. We get hits here and there, but I was quite astounded to find out that Elvis really didn't drink and that his addiction to uppers and downers and sleep medication all began with his mother who used to take um, amphetamines to um, 
help her in her daily life. And then when he went into the army, they were used then to keep the soldiers awake. We didn't find out about that, I guess, because they didn't want us to understand that Elvis was on these his entire life and that this dosage of medication, the way he manipulated doctors and prescriptions to get what he wanted. I mean, the abuse that these drugs had on his mental state was really apparent in his biography, in the biography. I mean, this man became paranoid and had guns everywhere in the house. He was never without a few guns on him. He collected police badges and once dropped in to the White House to see if he could convince um, the president at the time to give him a narcotics officer job. Uh, Not job. Give him a narcotics officer badge. Uh, He bought things at a whim. He, I mean, so many things that really captured this lonely, um, shy person that needed these uppers and downers just to function, to get him onto the stage, to do the amazing things he did. You wonder, like I wondered when I watched the Whitney Houston biopic, if these people had have had somebody in their life, a producer, a manager, something like that, who could have really changed their life, could have got them off the drugs, could have got them into places that they needed to be, would they still be here today? Would their trajectory have been different? And finally, I know I said finally, (laughs) but I missed one. The last one I wanted to mention was Priscilla. Now, that is amazingly gossed over in the film, but Priscilla in the book or in real life was a teenager when Elvis met her. And Elvis was in his 30s then. Uh, She would then stay at Graceland many years before they eventually got married. And the age gap was massive. The fact that he kind of groomed her, he manipulated her, he showered her with gifts is just plays into the different personality he was that was perhaps made by these drugs. Of all those things, it's hard to kind of fit that into a full biopic. But I certainly would have expected more of those things to filter through to create a more even picture of this Elvis character. I will say one of the most powerful moments of the film was at the very end where we see Elvis fat, bloated, barely able to see on stage in front of a piano, still smiling, still engaging with the audience, and he plays this rendition of Unchained Melody. And it's hauntingly beautiful because it's the last time he's on stage. It's the last song he sung before he died. And you see the power of his voice and what the world lost when he died. My darling, I hungered for your touch alone.
Well, everybody, before we end this week's episode, I wanted to give you my recommendation for the week. And this week's video recommendation is the Elvis 1968 performance of I Dreamed a Dream. It is a beautiful song that was inspired by the Martin Luther King assassination. It has callbacks to Elvis's upbringing around black African-Americans. It has callbacks to all the different styles of music that he loved, rhythm and blues, jazz, rock. And it is him stepping away from Colonel Tom Parker and doing what Elvis does best. Check out the link in the show notes. Thank you for joining me for this week's Movie Interrupted. Catch us next week where we'll be doing a special Academy Awards Oscars 2023 show with a special guest host, which you'll have to find out then. See you then.